that's a growler. Hello, and welcome to Friday on the Never Any Minute, where we analyze, scrutinize, and ration supplies for the movie, The Never Ending Story. Who wouldn't want to go hungry? I'm Thomas Howarth. It's been a lot of food talk this week. I'm <laughs> Tierney Steele. And I'm Chris Callahan. Welcome back, Chris. Thanks for joining us again. It's been a fun week. Thank you for having <laughs> me. We're really glad to have you. It's, I, I, and I have, to, I have to give a quick shout out. And a quick thank you to you for loaning me your beautiful and wonderful wife for doing this podcast with me. So if it wasn't for you loaning her to me and let me letting me uh, make use of her awesome skills and knowledge, then this wouldn't be a show that we were having right now. Awesome. She's been doing a great job. <laughs> Excited that she's a part of this experience of the never-ending story. <laughs> Not the tyranny's the never, property to loan out. The never-ending but... <laughs> recording session some nights, I'm sure, it feels like. Because when I'm recording and Chris isn't guesting, he is exiled to the other room and told to keep it down oh. and <laughs> not make too much noise. And then I glare at my ceiling whenever our na- upstairs neighbors walk across, which I'm sure they're just living their normal lives. But don't they know I have a podcast to do? <laughs> um, and speaking of podcasts, I do. Welcome back to the NeverEnding Story podcast. Today we're going to talk about Minute 29, which starts with Atreyu joining Artax at snack time, and it ends 60 seconds later with them riding across the desert. Looking good. Good way to end out the week. Definitely. I like it. Seems our, our cutting has is, is worked out fairly well in, in leaving us in good places on Fridays. We have. I mean, nothing's going to top our like giant map frame, ivory tower, hero mm. music, but... This is a this is another good writing montage. I like that none of them are too long. Yeah, right. I, mean, I, just, I love that desert shot. So it was a perfect place to end. Yeah. All right. All right. I have my first major problem with this movie. Oh no! What? I do not agree with the direction they went with Bastion and how childish they made him in his response to wanting to eat. It was very kitty like the whole swing in your arm and, and saying what you say, it just, it did not work for me at all. Hmm. It seemed way too unrealistic for what a kid would actually do. See, I, I do. That, that's the G whiz move with your right. arm. Like, exactly. It's a great idea. <laughs> I, it's, it's G whiz, which is, you know, everybody's kind of like overaction of that sentiment. And I don't think it fits well with the naturally, you know, like naturally what he would do. I did that while recording an episode of the Return to Oz <laughs> podcast. So I guess I'm going to stay out of it because I do that all the t- well, not all the time, but you know, I I enjoy the cheesiness. I like loved that little moment when he's like, "Good idea." No, it's a great idea. <laughs> but maybe that's just like the little foodie in me. <laughs> <laughs> So happy for lunch. <laughs> yeah. And I love the way they, I do love the way they cut between these showing the, again, the mirroring between Bastion and Atreyu. They're both yes. eating at the same time. They're both doing things at the same time. I imagine if Atreyu were to sleep in this journey, Bastion would sleep at the same time. No, I, I do like the way they cut back and forth between them. It doesn't feel jarring. It's not like going back and, you know, there's no cheesy effect between them. It's just everyone's getting a snack. <laughs> definitely with Bastion realizing he has to pace himself but that was a sweet moment yeah. just like it really Aww. pulls him into the book 
Got to ration supplies. <laughs> yep, yep. And that is accurate. In the book, he also has a sandwich and an apple. And he's, like, really trying to figure out, okay, I can have half the sandwich now, half the sandwich later. I need to save the apple. Because we haven't really thought about it in this movie. But in the book, from the get-go, Bastion is convinced he's never going home. Oh, wow. Like, yes. he has run away. This is his life now. Yes, in the book, he has no intention of ever returning because there's no way his father would ever forgive him for stealing a book oh. and running away. So Yeah. So in the book, it feels a little bit more dire because he's worried about it. And also in the book, they make a big deal of he is he's the chubby kid. He's the me as a little kid. He's yeah. the snack time all the time. Oh, wait, I can't do that now. Yeah, this this kid is the kid in the book. You know, you know, he has a hard time putting that sandwich away. This kid mm-hmm. in the movie, he doesn't mind just taking a bite and letting it go, right. which he makes kinda, a decision. <laughs> he kind of kills me with that because it's a great idea, which means he's he's obviously pretty hungry, but it only takes two bites. <laughs> yeah, he could have had half the sandwich and saved yeah. the rest. Like, yeah. that would have been legitimate. I'm also, I'm very confused. Maybe someone who has spent more time around horses than I have can help me figure out why Artax is down like that when they cut to him and Atreyu eating. Honestly, I think it's just to make Artax more... Um, animor- anamorphic is that the word? Yes. Anthropomorphic. Yes, oh, that word. Human-like with that. Yeah, human- yeah. Him- because, like I said in the book, he he speaks, and maybe they're trying to get that relationship across without him actually having to speak here. It's just very weird because they're implying that horses like lay down to share a snack with you, and that's <laughs> definitely not not accurate. <laughs> right. So in this cut between the two scenes, it's it's done so well that it's even them sharing a bite together. Mm. Bastion rips off a bite of his sandwich just as a tree bites off whatever it is he's eating. Well, speaking of trying to get better looks at a tree, he doesn't have beef jerky like the Nighthawk did. <laughs> <laughs> Different snacks going on here, but I was trying to get a better look at his outfit. I had paused it on second 20 trying to look more at... Um, his outfit and like his boots, I can't really see. It's kind of blurry and all of the things I saw, but it's, it's a good, it's a good look. It's all leather. It's a happy moment. It's all that suede leather kind of look and very natural looking and uh, semi-believable that it would be something a plains person would wear. Yep. Now I do have a big note here that we almost skipped over. Bastion finally eats. All that work he put into making his food that he never got to eat at breakfast, he finally <laughs> eats. The poor boys finally put food we've, in his stomach. We've disagreed on this for a while now because I am convinced that he ate that off screen after his dad left oh, and said, get to hmm. school. And I think he turned around and ate the toast real quick. But yes, he put a lot of work into it. I do like, though, we saw him. Was he getting the peanut butter open or the jelly open or something like that? <laughs> like he made this we saw the making of this sandwich yes and then an apple he could grab an apple like <laughs> what do they call that Chekhov's gun <laughs> <laughs> Chekhov's peanut butter <laughs> if you're gonna show it in the first scene you have to bring it up later <laughs> oh man important plot devices <laughs> exactly I did want to make a quick note just too as 
um, since they did more shots of Bastion this minute, just again, comment how crazy this attic is that he's in. <laughs> oh, yes. Just yeah, Chris cool. had some thoughts on this attic. Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting mix of like the skeleton, all this stuff. It's like, why would, how did this happen? <laughs> designed this place where did that box come from i don't remember that box from before the upside down one next to him it was there earlier i'd have to go and look if it's always been there because when he drags the mat into the middle of the room i don't remember it but i don't think this is the first time we see it right hmm i didn't think of that i was too amused watching it be like this is not a school attic it's like it could be i have a whole defense of it in an earlier episode of the podcast I had a thought here, Terry. The reason Bastion never stands up is because he can no longer feel his legs. There we go. I told ya. <laughs> He's just rolling around like an invalid now. <laughs> if he tried to stand up, it, like he'd realize his leg is asleep and go right over. Well, it happens to the best bookworms. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Speaking of his food, there's no way that that sandwich would look that pristine if it were bagged in the same bag as an apple. Hmm. Also, that backpack has been on multiple tumbling adventures yeah, today. Yes. Did he drop it before he went in the dumpster? I forgot how that worked. <laughs> he had it on in the dumpster? Yeah, he threw, it in, he threw it into the dumpster so it wouldn't get wrecked before the guys threw him in. That was, Possibly on top of it. On top of it. Top of it. <laughs> yes. And then he threw it as soon as he went into the bookstore. So this, and this when he goes been, into the school, he drops it before he climbs up to look in the door. Exactly. It's been thrown all over the place, and there's no way that sandwich is coming out looking that perfect after all that. The, the magic of movies. He pulls it out, and it's not bent up. It's The bread's still firm and full. It looks pretty good, actually. I'm kind of hungry right now. Unless maybe the bread's slightly stale. That's why it's retaining its shape better. <laughs> in which case, it wouldn't be as good. <laughs> Now, what do you think he, I mean, you kind of mentioned this before, but what do you think he's actually feeding Artax there? They look like white discs of some sort. I didn't make a note of that. Oops. (laughs) Let's take a look. Hang Uh, on. And is it the same thing that he's eating? I No, he's got two different hands. He's got, his food is in his left hand and he's feeding with his right hand. Okay. But they look like little discs. Maybe it's, too, maybe it's the drugs the racing snail. Yeah. Really. It looks too small for a horse, regardless. But sort of hard. Sorry, <laughs> I I meant to pause it, but it buffered instead. Hmm. Yeah, he's sharing it with the horse. Yeah, they could look kind of like sugar lumps. I don't ah. know if Fantasia horses want those. As- <laughs> Anyway, mm. this is good good audio here. <laughs> I'm sorry, at- I'm also distracted looking at his bite, which he takes out of the dead center of the top of the sandwich. Who does that? That's <laughs> not how you eat a sandwich. No, you eat the round parts off first, oh. and then you go for the center. Or you go left to right. Or it's already cut in the middle, so that's yeah. a whole other thing. Yeah. In, the, yeah. in the book, it's already cut in the middle, so he has two ah. halves that he, can, that he can ration out. But yeah, in this one, okay, fine, it's not cut. Look, he was struggling enough to make the sandwich. I, I guess cutting it in half was beyond his skill level in the kitchen. Perhaps his, uh, his dad doesn't trust him with a knife sharper than a butter knife because he sees the way that he works with a <laughs> butter knife. So that's fine, but then you don't take the bite out of the middle. I don't know. Maybe they decided it was more cinematic. Bastion did not have OCD, apparently. <laughs> no, apparently not. Oh, definitely not. So, are we to the Majestic Mountains? Not quite. I wanted okay. to comment on the set, the set one more time as we see the horse and a tree sitting here. Aww. It's definitely a set. I just like the details that they put in with the flowers everywhere and well-spaced out. Nothing looks like it's 
unnatural, I guess would be the best way to say it. Yeah. It's all spaced out really nicely and looks really great. It's a really good job yeah. set dressing. Uh, all right. So moving on, I suppose. We have another riding montage. But again, like I said, it feels like we're saying this a lot, but none of them are very long. Yeah. It's a, just a good quick cut. Okay. Yeah. Here's the ne- on, it's moving forward. Here's the next ride. So, oh, sorry, I just saw something that I should probably say before we get too far. Yep. He does only take two bites of his sandwich, and you were talking about stale bread. He doesn't put the sandwich away. He just sets it down. That's right. He just drops it on top. <laughs> on top of what? <laughs> <laughs> if it's that nasty blanket that he's putting it on, oh, yes. that's kind of disgusting. <laughs> I think you are hungry. You're very, uh, very stirred up about this. <laughs> yes. Oh. So, as we see Bastion riding here... I made a note that Artax is not a very big horse. You mean a trail? Yes. You've been marrying them so well. They've just oh. become one character in your mind. As the Treyu is riding along here, Artax is not a very big horse. Well, he's... Because if you, when you get a close-up, uh, I'll tell you when I see it, but... I mean, he's right a normal-sized horse. At, at 56. Okay. You get a good picture of Noah Hathaway on top of the horse... Yeah. Noah's a child. He's a nine-year-old child. Or oh, that's yeah. child. true. That's a small horse. Shot 55 is a good... Yeah, I didn't think of that. Because I was like, no, it's a normal-sized horse. What are you talking about? But you're right. Atreyu is supposed to be a kid. Yeah. Which is that... Yeah. Oh. Sorry. I just want to be a kid and go back to summer camp and ride <laughs> horses. I don't want to go to work. Oh, it's, it's the weekend. It's okay. That's right. I, I have two to days admit of freedom. The... The look on Noah's face here, he looks kind of scared. Yeah, he's like, whoa. <laughs> well, maybe this is after he had the uh, fall. <laughs> yeah, this may be, and that may be a gait he's not comfortable with either on the horse. That's true, because he is kind of a, ju- yeah, that's an awkward, like, it's not quite a trot. Maybe because say. it's on the sand? Like, yeah, I wonder yeah. if it's because the sand is moving under the horse. That could be it, yes. So it's kind of screwing them up. I love riding across the desert because I'm obsessed with the movie Lawrence of Arabia. And so I just want someone to jump out and like start yelling, Orins, Orins at him. <laughs> <laughs> like in that film. Blow out a match. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Well, you remember things from movies I make you watch. Oh. Good job. <laughs> so what, what, made, what do you think gives Bastion the idea that he has to ration out his food? Nothing in the... I mean... In, like I said, in the book, it's very clear of, he's like, well, this is my life now. I'm just going to live here forever. I'll have to save, which again, is such a little kid thing because no, that's a sandwich and apple is not going to last you very long. But you're right. In the movie, he hasn't expressed that. So I wonder if we're just supposed to assume like, well, he knows he's in this for the long haul. Maybe it's just the size of the book and how far he's gotten so far. Yeah, like he knows he's got a lot more to go and he's not going home until he finishes it. So he should save some for later, I guess. That's (sighs) where he is so sucked into the being part of the journey and just wants to go go pace himself along with the trail. So, Chris, I know we talked a little bit about how you got introduced to this and watching it recently. Do you have any other thoughts you want to add to your never ending journey here? Well, I just, you know, it's interesting thinking back to the movie. And uh, yeah, I said, it's the weirdest thing is watching this. I still, every so often, I keep thinking about the sequel because <laughs> it just pops into my head, which is, I, no, not as iconic as this one. But 
Yeah, I just it just was fun to see again. It does hold up well with the um, with the effects that they did at the time. It was fun to learn more about it, and definitely as there are moments that are more like other iconic moments. Like I remember him like being under the blanket reading the book. Because a little bit further on in the story, definitely stands out. And uh, yeah, just been just fun to see. And it's the intensity towards the end. I had some memories of. <laughs> um, I still liked, but yeah, it was just fun. Definitely fun to see again. As I said before, it holds up, which is fun. Yeah, this is your chance. You know, any anything about the movie, you don't have to worry about spoilers here. Yeah. So if you want to talk, did about you stuff, cry? Feel free. <laughs> I held up okay there. Um, <laughs> Everyone knows what scene we're oh, talking about when I asked. We get into that point. Yeah, that's definitely one which I remember. I do remember seeing that, of course, as a kid and just being all, we were all freaked out. And um, I think watching one of my friends was way into horses. That was not a easy scene to get through. Oh, which watch it was? I think it was watching my friend uh, Emily Turner. Okay. Um, Sorry to inside it? baseball, you guys. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just curious. <laughs> no, so I remember that sticking out. And I remember, you know, later on when we meet the, um, the, the researcher um he and, and his wife yes that definitely popped back into my head it was fun to see them and i remember yeah the rock biter um yeah there's lots of iconic things that pop up and again the fact that they use so many practical effects the scene with the sphinxes definitely stands out <laughs> as yeah, like well, not a practical effect yeah it's like, yeah, <laughs> going in a different direction but um no it's just uh, so much fun and it's, it's, it's fun to sort of revisit this I've been joking that this is the most 80s movie that was ever made. Apparently, Michael Ende was not a fan of this film. Yeah. No, he did not like this film at all. And I'm trying to figure out why. Because it's not, it's pretty faithful to the book. He didn't like the, well, the first thing that he is noted that he didn't like were the sphinxes that we were just talking about. He did not like the fact that they were. Um, bare-chested, and he thought it was almost pornographic. Um, so he wanted to really pull his name away from this wow. production. Huh. I found a quote. It says he called the film, um, translated to, a, a gigantic melodrama of kitsch, commerce, plush, and plastic. Yes. Mm. And then he also really didn't like the fact that they cut the bu- cut the movie in, in half. In half, yeah. Yeah, that it wasn't faithful in that way, that it was only half the story. And he didn't think that the ideas that he was trying to get across in his book could possibly be, be portrayed in half a movie. Mm, well say. I... My bias is showing because I think this is a very successful movie adaptation. I think later on he did come around once the movie became popular. He did come around on it, but he he did all at first have those really. He wanted to pull his name off the movie. Oh, he wanted them to change the title. Yes, he was trying to like revoke the rights to the title, The Neverending Story. But huh, no, and then. Noah Hathaway's tattoo parlors mentioned yep. the his many injuries on set. So I didn't realize <laughs> that he was injured during training with riding the horse. He not only fell off the horse, then stepped on him. Yep. And he was also injured in the next week's scene, which I'm sure and, we'll talk about there. Yep. And he <laughs> was almost again, very injured in a final scene oh. with Gamork. Yes, when with the fight with Gamork. Apparently, they only could do like one take because they were convinced he was going to get hurt again. They had enough at that point. (laughs) I love that. As a child who got hurt very easily as a kid, I'm loving the idea that they were just like, did did we get it? Can we just like 
go home now because this kid's going to die on our watch. <laughs> it's also interesting thing. Just we're going to find an article from People Magazine interview with the author at the time back in '84. Oh my gosh! I guess he worked with Peterson on the script and was happy with that. But then it sounds like at least he says that Peterson chain secretly rewrote the screenplay later on. Oh. So when he finally saw the film, he was very taken aback by the changes that were made. Right. So very interesting. That's crazy. Digging deeper. So <laughs> much drama. I also love that we are looking at people magazines from the eighties hey. on your phone. Welcome to the future. <laughs> <laughs> Who's oh, ne- who needs news newsstands anymore? We have our phones. Oh. Now. So when it cuts to the next writing montage, is it possible because the way it cuts very quickly and the theme song begins, is that almost a jump scare to anyone other than me? Because it's not scary, but it kind of is a, like, it's very, whoa, okay. Yeah, it, it is kind of odd that they didn't even let Bastion settle in all the way to a reading position before they got on with him reading, technically. I mean, yes, he's reading, but he's just flipped that page. He hasn't, the page hasn't even gotten all the way over. And all of a sudden we're back in Fantasia where he's technically quote unquote reading. (laughs) So it is a little odd with the cutting they did there. Yeah. No, it just, it always like startles me. That's one thing I noticed watching this movie one minute at a time is how easily I startle (laughs) because there's so many of those quick back and forths. But I I guess it's effective. And like you said, Chris, it does help the movie feel like it's moving along. Doesn't drag. It's just quick. Move, move, move. Mm -hmm. That's good. (laughs) Well, we're questing. (laughs) Yes, hey. Keep going. (laughs) Awesome. So do you guys have anything else? Chris, anything else you want to get off your back about the never-ending story? Well, the one thing I'm just thinking about for this podcast, I wonder if you guys, when you're recording, if you... A picture of someone listening to this podcast in an attic, like listening <laughs> along and following. And all our well, listeners are a part of the never-ending story. You may not know this, but I actually record in my attic with a blanket around me. It's, See, it's crazy. That's the way to it's do it. great for the acoustics. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect place to go. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what I was told at first. Because when we first started recording, we lived in a different apartment, and I I record in a spare room. And the old one had a tile floor and these really long walls that stretched along and it was very echoey. Yeah. And so I essentially was told to put a blanket over my head. Uh-huh. So it could have had Bringing that it all back. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, but I'm th- trying to think of your other influences. If there's other music groups or directors that you think. Did, did Was Wes Anderson ever impacted by yeah. the never-ending story? Because I, I believe you would know. Yes. No, I, I think there'd be more connections there. But definitely that was, yeah, that, that when the movie came out, that part of the mid-80s, definitely mm-hmm. where they were trying some different stuff with kids' fantasy films and all that. Definitely one of the standouts of its time. We did watch, is it The Black Cauldron? What's the animated oh, Disney one so with uh, Gurgi? Yeah, that was The Black Cauldron, I believe, came out in early 85. That was a very weird year for Disney. But they were definitely trying some more deeper fantasy stuff that some worked, some didn't at the time. But I like that as an adult. That's one of those things where I think the movie, and this movie works well. I said the, talked about the Ouroboros, things like that, yeah. as you learn more as you get older. Um, it definitely holds up well. But yeah, definitely it holds up. I'm almost really looking forward to the fantasy renaissance that I know is going to be happening eventually Hmm. with 
movies like, you know, we have this big superhero renaissance, comic renaissance going mm-hmm. on right now, where all these movies are wanting to be done. I'm kind of looking, for, and we did a sci-fi one like a few years ago where everything was more sci-fi. I'm looking forward to the time when everything becomes more of a fantasy renaissance and we get to get into stories like this again. You'd think Lord of the Rings would have kicked off more. That's, you know, I wonder if it's sort of a lot of that now is sort of shifting the television for fantasy. That's true. Like we were seeing more and more if they you know, can adapt some of these books. Um, obviously, we're seeing with Game of Thrones and others. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I think uh, Shannara has the series on MTV. Oh, we saw that yep. one. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that was pretty good. And I think that's going to go on Spike TV next. Right. It's oh, going to come back for another season, but shifting oh. networks. Yeah. I love the Shannara books. <laughs> yeah. I didn't read them, but I liked the show. Yeah. It's a good group. I definitely recommend the books. They don't, um, you don't know until much, much, much later in the series that it's post apocalyptic. I can't say that. Post. <laughs> apocalyptic oh that's um, interesting and in the show like... they show you pretty much right away that you know this is from our future or whatever yeah but in the book they don't let you or in the books they don't let you know that until like book seven or eight and you end up on an island with oh wow you know old computers and stuff and they're like what's this stuff <laughs> that's cool well that's i love um there's a trilogy written by Liz Delton. It's called the Arcara Trilogy. The first one is Meadow City, all one word. And it's weird because it's set in this world. And for, it's only three books. And from the first book, you get the feeling that this must be like a post-apocalyptic world. But it's so far in the future that that doesn't really play into it. Like she's describing this thing out in the wild and all of a sudden you realize like, Oh, it's gotta be the basis for a bridge, but there isn't any water here. You know what I mean? Or like a highway overpass or something. Right. But it's so far in the future that that doesn't even play into it. Like it doesn't matter that it's post-apocalyptic. <laughs> now I don't know if any of you guys are gamers, but there's this game out that just came out called um, horizon zero dawn. And it, kind of deals with the same thing it's post-apocalyptic and you'll see like old broken down buildings and stuff but you're walking around almost in furs and and using bows and stuff it's kind of crazy it's yeah. awesome actually you just remind me we mentioned games um another thing to watch out for for fantasy series um the witcher series which i've never read oh, the books yes. but i just finished up the third game i love the game series and i guess netflix is working on a yep. series for that. And that could be a really nice, I guess the author is working on it, which I'd love to read. But have you read those? I haven't read them, but I've played the games as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's <clears> one I'm very curious about. Yeah. I guess with the, especially with the author's involvement, that could be pretty cool. Yeah, even Gwent has its own game now, apparently. On, oh yeah. Like, which was a great iOS part of the third game. And the, yeah, on its own, it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun element. Cool stuff. All right, Chris. Well, I can't uh, say thank you enough for coming on the show with us. I know it was, a long, long trip to get you in the same room. <laughs> journey. I was riding across the plains. Yeah, back on the horse to get Trek back. Trek through the desert. <laughs> oh, again, thank Traveling you so montage. Much for it was a lot of fun, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. Cherny, do you have anything else for this week? I think I'm good for this week. I am preparing myself so our listeners who are following along at home may know next week is maybe not going to be the most uplifting week, but please come back and join us. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. 
hold your loved ones close. I have some information <laughs> that's going to make you possibly not like um, a tree quite so much, but we'll get there. But that's, that's another, another story. story. And it shall be told another time. Like next week. <laughs> Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler. I'm keeping your bones.